This was, oh, this was Pastor Myungwa's idea. She thought it'd be really cute. I find it a great honor uh, to introduce our speaker, our powerful preacher for today. Uh, she is a woman who, the day we got married, <laughs> just say a little bit, the Lord told me something that I've been so grateful for ever since. He simply told me that this woman, Anita, Jew at the time, now Newfeld, is perfect for me. And, yeah. You know, when you're getting married as a guy, you, that, that's of great value to you. To hear, like, someone is, is perfect for you. Someone has been made for you. Someone has been prepared for you by the Lord. And I don't know all of what that means, but I get to find out more and more every day what that means. And for the rest of our life. And so... <laughs> but Anita Newfeld is the executive director of leadership for the entire church, New Philadelphia Church, and that means a lot of things. And uh, she's a great blessing to our community. And so, with no further ado, I'd like to welcome up today's preacher, Mrs. Anita Newfeld. Give your hand. is in the place. <laughs> oh, that's quite the intro. Um, okay. <laughs> How is everyone? <laughs> All right. Um, just by a show of hands, who's been working out lately? Uh, okay, okay. So a lot of people have been working out. Okay. Uh, did you know that as of May 23rd, that most, not all, but most of the New Philly staff have committed to um, clean eating and to exercising at least three times a week until our staff outing, which starts tomorrow. Tomorrow is actually July 1st, and, you know, happy Canada Day. Um, but so the, the staff, they've been, you know, doing really well for the most part, I think, in clean eating. I mean, everyone, for the most part, has been packing healthy lunches, making their own lunches, bringing them to, to the office. Um, some have taken up rock climbing. Rock climbing, Peter Jacob, yes. Um, some have started swimming. A lot more have been biking. A lot of running going on. Um, and I heard, Pastor Myunga, where is she? Somewhere. Pastor Myungwa, I heard recently, for the first time, played basketball. Okay, if you know her story, her and balls just don't go together. You know, but we're on the street and she's actually not that bad, you know? And so I'm really proud of the staff. We're really trying to work out, you know, uh, getting healthy because it's good for you, right? And for those of you who are at the churchwide retreat, what was the theme of this retreat? Work it out, right. And following the retreat, Pastor Christian preached from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. So let's turn to Philippians 2, actually. Philippians 
Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. Why don't we read this all together, okay? One, two, three. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Amen. And so in Pastor Christian's sermon, he preached about how salvation is entirely a gift from God, that it's a gift of grace from God, that it can never be earned, that it is never deserved, and that it's all, always freely given and freely received by us, right? But though salvation is a gift of grace, we are responsible for responding to that grace, right? And so in this passage, basically, uh, it's written by the Apostle Paul to the Church of Philippi. And he's saying to the Philippians, you were saved by grace. So now live like you're saved. Live like you're healed. Live like you've been delivered. Live like the Spirit of God is living in you. You've, been, you've received this grace from God. So now let the world know that this grace is in action at work in your lives, right? So simply put, Paul is saying, let your life be an expression of the gifts of salvation that you have received. So in essence, um, the Apostle Paul, in encouraging the church of Philippi to work out their salvation, he's actually telling them, you need to make progress in your spiritual walk. You need to continue to grow spiritually. Amen? And all of us, desire to grow spiritually, right? All of us desire to grow spiritually, right? Yes. yes, right. And so does the Lord. So does the Lord. But going back to the theme of working out, you know, many of us know that it's important to work out, right? It's good for you. But how many of us know that it's not just important that you work out, but how you work out? Right? For all those who have been exercising, for instance, working out at the gym. You can spend hours at the gym, even months, just running on the treadmill, whatever exercise you're doing. You can do the wrong exercises the entire time, and therefore, the result is the wrong outcome, or, or the outcome you never wanted or didn't expect, right? Or you can be doing all the right exercises, but using the wrong techniques, right? It's like, oh, I know it's important to stretch before exercising, so I'm going to stretch. And you start stretching, but you're not supposed to stretch in that way, so you pull your muscle just stretching so you don't actually get to the treadmill, right? It's like you know you're supposed to work out, but you don't really know how to, right? And so you end up, even for the ladies, like some of you, you just want to kind of like tone down, slim down, stretch your muscles, do a little Pilates, right? And Months of months of investment at the gym and months down the road, your calves are the, like the size of footballs and like, you know, you just kind of look like a Terminator, right? It's not what you wanted. But you just assumed running is good. It's exercise. So I should just run. I should just run. Lifting weights. I heard weights are really good for women too. So you start lifting these weights and all of a sudden you're just like, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why I don't exercise. 
not because I'm lazy, but it's my jeans. So I know the men would be so jealous of my jeans, but I don't work out. I've never worked out. But I have a lot of muscle. <laughs> I really do. I have a lot of muscle. And so if I were to exercise, like, I am so afraid that my muscles will all outgrow John. <laughs> but, Not that, not that he doesn't have muscles. I'm saying he's, he's, he's got a healthy build. He really does. But I'm just, I'm just saying it's just in my genes. Anyways, that's, that's nothing to do with my sermon. Um, so yeah, so in order to work out, you need to know how to work out, right? We all agree. The same applies to our spiritual walk and to how we work out our salvation, how we grow spiritually. You know, we know we're supposed to, you know, read the Bible. We know we're supposed to uh, pray. We know we're supposed to fast. But whenever we get into those moments, like, where it's like, I need to really pick it up. Like, I need to wake up. I have to get out of this funk. And all, all of a sudden, it's like, you're praying louder. You're praying harder. You're praying longer. You're fasting and then fasting again, you break a fast and you start another fast. And you're just listening to every podcast that's available for you on the internet. And you're just doing, 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 doing. But again, I heard, like, like I said, I don't exercise. But I heard that in running, that it's actually better for you to run for three days and then take a few days off. And then run a few days and then take a few days off because you can really overwork your muscles or it's actually really bad for you to overdo it, right? In that way, sometimes in our spiritual walk, because we want to grow so bad, we see the need to grow, we just overdo it. And it's just striving and striving, yet it's frustrating because you feel like you're not going anywhere. Anyone feeling me? Anyone been there? I've been there numerous times. And don't get me wrong, all these disciplines are really good. Prayer, fasting, they're very important uh, for a spiritual growth and spiritual walk. But when it feels like we're doing all the right spiritual exercises, but we feel like we're stuck at square one, and we see some growth, but it's not the type of growth or it's not growth in proportion to how much we're actually sowing into our spiritual growth, right? It gets frustrating. And we got to stop and think. we got to stop, like, striving to, to make our spiritual walk better and start, you know, going to the Word of God and, like, really considering, asking God, search my heart. What is up with my life? I'm doing everything right, but nothing's really actually coming from it, right? And so today, um, I want to actually preach from Philippians chapter 2. Uh, verses 14 to 16. And today I believe that the Lord wants to teach us uh, a few tips on how to grow spiritually without the striving, without the frustration. So if you're ready, let me hear an amen. amen. All right. Oh, I just said all right. Um, verses 14 to 18. Let's read that together. Okay. Uh, Philippians 2, verses 14 to 16. Let's read it together. One, two, three. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Oh. Amen. 
Amen. <laughs> so at the beginning of the section from the passage that Pastor Christian preached from, uh, verses 12 to 13, Paul starts by telling the Philippians to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And then next here in verses 14 to 16, he gives a few examples on how you are to work out your salvation. And the first key to spiritual growth is we need to stop grumbling, right? We grumble a lot, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, stop grumbling. Now, let's uh, take a closer look at verses 14 to 15. It says, do all things. All means all. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, right? And dispute here, it just refers to debatable issues that actually don't necessarily need to be resolved because its resolution doesn't add or take away from the good of the church, right? It's arguing for the sake of arguing, I mean, some people are, in, by nature, more inclined to be more argumentative, right? But Paul's just saying, just don't do it. Just don't do it, because it doesn't add good to anyone. It doesn't add good to the church. So stay away from that. And of such arguments, actually, in 2 Timothy, um, it's referred to as foolish and stupid arguments, because all they do is they produce quarrels. And quarrels are of no value, and they actually, it says in Second Timothy, it only ruins those who listen. Quarrels only ruin one another. So why take part in that, right? So that's what the disputes part is talking about. But what I want to highlight from this verse is actually the first part, where it says, do all things without grumbling, okay? Wouldn't you agree with me that we are probably the most privileged and perhaps most spoiled generation of all time. Yet, probably the most discontent generations of all time, right? Right? We grumble and complain about all sorts of things. I mean, just think about this last week, okay? Your iPhone. How many of you were so frustrated with your iPhone because it took two seconds too long to upload or to download this week? Yeah, yeah, I see laughing. I see hands going, I did it too. Okay, I, yes. I'm like, it, you're a smartphone. Please be smart, you know, work, download, upload, you know. You're taking two seconds. You're taking my time. And you just grumble, 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 grumble. I'm like, think back to when you had pagers. Anyone had a pager? Yeah, you don't want to put up your hand. That just exposes a little too much, right? Anyone watch Saved by the Bell growing up? Yeah. Zach Morris and his huge, like, tank of a cell phone, right? Like, think back to when they had tanks as cell phones, you know? And we had, like, these really nice, like, quick phones and still grumble, grumble, grumble. Murmur, murmur, murmur. We're complaining about everything in life, right? Like, high-speed internet versus, like, what we used to have, like, dial-up internet. <laughs> Who used to have to struggle with that? I know Pastor Aaron always talks about it. But, I mean, you're, you're on the internet, and all of a sudden it cuts off, and it's like, you know? And it's because your mom's on the phone, right? <laughs> my house, it was like that. My mom was the only one on the phone in my house. I mean, and it's just grumbling after grumbling. And, and now can you imagine having, like, those old Macintosh computers 
like the black and green screens. I'm not talking about the Pentiums, okay? That's even like, that's, that's, that's upgrade. But you know those Macintosh computers? Black screen, green writing? Some of this is before your time, huh? I'm a student. I mean, you would wait not seconds, but minutes for a game called Oregon Trail. <laughs> In retrospect, it was such a sorry thing, a sorry excuse for a game, but I used to love that game, and I would wait, like, wait and wait for it to load, you know? And then you would have all these glitches, and then you, you know, have to reboot or whatever. But you would still, like, you know, be patient. But now we're just so... Bali, bali. Like, come on. Like, grumble, grumble, grumble. I've got everything that I need. Everything's like, first world issues are like, you know, overwhelming us, right? And, and it's just become not just part of our lifestyle, but it's become part of our spiritual walk. You agree? Grumbling has become such a huge part of our spiritual walk. And I believe that today, this is one of those exercises those bad exercises that we need to unlearn in order for us to actually progress and grow spiritually. You see, we need to understand that grumblings not only get in the way of us working out our salvation, but it actually, like, stunts our growth. In working out, we might be doing all the right exercises, like I mentioned, but we can be doing all the right exercises and doing it all right by eating the wrong foods. All right? For all those who are exercising, like, everyone's probably going to stick to, like, chicken breast. And, like, you, you know, right? But who, like, after a good exercise will go out and eat fried chicken and Coke and all that, except for John Westfall and James Lee back there, right? Like, who would do that? It's just, you wouldn't do it. It throws everything that you did down the drain, right? And in the same way... We might be doing all the right exercises and doing it all right. Praying, fasting, listening, and reading the word of God. But the grumbling and the complaining, it actually delays our growth and sometimes even stunts our growth. And I want to turn our attention back to the first part of verse 15 where it says, um, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Now, this description of those who don't grumble and therefore are blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, it's actually the exact direct opposite description that is used to describe the wilderness generation. Right? In Deuteronomy 32.5, it says of the wilderness generation, they have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. So now let's consider the story of the wilderness generation then. Okay? Those, the Israelites who were delivered out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, and into the wilderness in order to possess the promised land, a land that was flowing with milk and honey, right? But what made them blemished? What made them a generation that was crooked and depraved? They grumbled. Over and over and over again. Think back to the Red Sea, the story of the Red Sea. 
Yeah, there was a Red Sea. Pharaoh, his horses, his chariots, his armies are pursuing after the Israelites, right? And in that moment, you know what the Israelites say? They turn to Moses and Aaron. They say, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us, taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Now, mind you again, Egypt was a place of slavery. And they're saying, don't you see Pharaoh's going to come and kill us? Did you take us out of that land of slavery? At least we had, we were able to live. But were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us all the way here to the wilderness so that we could just die? Is that why you brought us here? They grumbled and grumbled and grumbled. They continued to grumble. Moses, have you brought us out of Egypt into the wilderness that we would starve to death? That we would thirst to death? You know, and every time the Israelites would grumble, God in his grace would show up. They're like, where's the meat? At least we had meat in Egypt. Where's the meat? And all of a sudden, quail from heaven comes. All of a sudden, manna, food comes out of nowhere. Food that's unidentifiable, God just rains down upon them. And yet, they see, but continue to grumble. They receive, but continue to grumble. And what was the outcome of their grumblings? 40 years in the wilderness, wandering and wandering and wandering. It's not like it was a 40-year journey to the promised land. It's just 40 years of walking around in circles, basically grumbling and grumbling and grumbling and going nowhere. They thought they were going somewhere. In fact, they were actually moving the entire time. I don't think they were just waiting around for the promised land, but they were moving. They were actually thinking that they're going somewhere, but at the end of the day, they weren't going anywhere. And some of us feel like that in our spiritual walks. We feel like we're doing something. We're doing everything that we can. We feel like we're going somewhere, but at the end of the day, at the end of the year, we think back and we're like, I didn't grow. What just happened? And you think you've been going somewhere, but really, you haven't been. And I want to propose to you today, and it's, it's, be, it's because of the grumbling. It's because of the grumbling. And so if you've been feeling stuck in your spiritual walk, let's just, in this way, in this time, even before the end of the sermon, let's just begin to ask the Lord to search our hearts. You know, God, have I been grumbling? What have I, I been grumbling about? And just ask him to reveal it to us so that we can just you know, be done away with all that grumbling, right? So I want you to turn to your neighbor and just say, you are not a wilderness generation. (laughs) Now, there's one more thing I want to bring us, um, bring to our attention. It's the Israelites were grumbling against their leaders, right? But to the Lord... Yeah, that's, that's one area, too. If you have grumbling against your leader, it's going to stunt your growth. It's only doing you harm, so stop it. Um, <laughs> stop it. Just stop it. Um, but um, in essence, ultimately, in grumbling against their set leaders, they were grumbling against the Lord. And we're such a generation that's so prone to grumbling about everything that we even muster the courage to grumble against the Lord, don't we? God, why did you send me to Korea? I thought this land was going to be a land that's just 
flowing with milk and honey for me. I thought the doors were just going to open up for me. I thought it was just going to be like favor after favor after favor. But I'm broke. I'm still broke after two years. My friends in the States and in Canada, they're getting married. They're, they're making a down payment on their home. What about me? Have you forsaken me? How could you do that to me? At least give me a husband. Right? I'm just, I'm just being real. Right? That's how we grumble against the Lord. Whether it's directly to the Lord or it's like, you know, masked as counsel to our leaders. Why is the Lord doing this? And it might not be like, God, why are you doing this? But it's like, why is the Lord doing this? You know? And, and you know he hears you, right? And, and that needs to stop. Because it's only stunting your growth. It's only stunting your growth. And it's not just this, this striving, this wishful like, okay, I, I shouldn't grumble. I can't grumble. I'm going to hold my tongue. I'm not going to grumble. But it's actually a change of attitude that needs to happen. A change of heart that needs to happen. So it's not us mustering up the courage to not grumble. But it really, you know, it calls for the grace of God in our lives as well. Um, okay, so instead of grumbling, God is calling us to the art and practice and the exercise of thanksgiving. I mean, in the situation... The Israelites had every reason to grumble. But if they were in the right attitude and in a place where they were undividedly, un, just devoted to the ways of the Lord, they would have thought back and think, wow, God delivered us from the land of slavery? We're a people of covenant? What? Whoever blesses me, the Lord's going to bless. And whoever curses me, the Lord's going to curse? Are you serious? I'm a people that is blessed to be a blessing? There are generational blessings that God has promised me. What? I have no reason to complain. I have no reason to grumble. And so we need to break out of even that mentality. I have every reason, every right to grumble. Don't you see my situation? Yeah, but in the spirit, God's actually leading you somewhere. He's leading you to a promised land. Unless you want to stay in the wilderness for the next 40 years, and I don't think you want to. I don't think you want to see, like, a single congregation in the next 40 years at New Philly. I don't want to see all of you still single in 40 years, okay? My kids won't have friends then. I I want your kids to be my kids' friends, okay? So the number one key to working out your salvation or growing spiritually is to stop grumbling, okay? Uh, Number two. Okay, let me tackle this. Unbelief. Okay, we need to rid ourselves from grumbling, but also from unbelief. Okay, verse 16 says, holding fast to the word of life. You got to hold fast to the word of life. When you don't hold fast to the word of life, it's usually because of unbelief. When things are going well, you're like, yeah, I'm in the word. I love the word. And all of a sudden the going gets tough. And all of a sudden it's like, I don't believe it. I believe it, but I, I don't know, you know. And here's the thing. We need to realize that every We really have no reason to grumble because God is, at the end of the day, he is who he says he is. He will accomplish what he has promised to accomplish. And though heaven and earth will pass away, his word will still remain. It's never going to pass away. His words are true. He is confident in his own words. And we need to be confident in his. And 
you know, the reason why the Israelites, I feel, um, continued to grumble was because of unbelief. They saw all these miracles. I mean, the presence of God manifested, like physically manifested among the Israelites. The presence of God showed up as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I mean, can you imagine you're in your living room at night about to sleep and there's this pillar of fire there. You're like, hey, God. That's the type of presence that the Israelites experienced, yet they saw but did not believe. You know? And you don't wait for the testimony. You already have testimonies. If you're saved, you have a testimony. You have nothing to grumble about, right? But it's when we forget. It's when there's unbelief. When we saw the grace of God, when we saw the goodness of God that rescued us from the pits of hell, from eternal judgment, we saw that, experienced that, but we don't live like we know it, you know? And so today, um, I just want us to realize that the Lord really is wanting us to just break away from the wilderness mentality, to get all grumbling and to get all unbelief out of the way because he really wants us to grow. It's a year of inspiration. We're supposed to shine. We're, just, we're supposed to grow. We're supposed to actually go somewhere, right? Um, again, going back to the working out analogy, um, there's always some sort of purpose or outcome in working out, right? Whether it's weight loss or muscle mass gain or a healthier heart, whatever it might be, right? So what is the purpose or the outcome of working out your salvation? What's the purpose or the outcome of spiritual growth? If we look back to verse 15, it says, In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. And the NIV, it says, shine like stars in the universe. You know, again, in the Old Testament, the crooked and twisted generation was in reference to the Israelites, to the wilderness generation. But here in this context and in our context, um, it refers to the unbelieving world, to those who remain in the darkness. And God is calling us to grow spiritually, not so that we can flex our spiritual muscles and say, I'm a good Christian. I've been there. That was my life growing up, you know, but it does absolutely nothing to bring people out of the darkness and into the light. And God is calling us to be the light because he's, that's his heart. You gotta, we got to understand where Paul is coming from. He's an apostle to the Gentiles. His thing was, I want salvation for the Gentiles. He was beaten, he was flogged, and he would go back to the same town that he was beaten and flogged just so that he can preach the gospel again. He was persecuted, and it gave him joy because the gospel was advancing. That's where he was coming from. And he's saying, shine like stars. I don't want you to just grow spiritually so that, you know, you can earn a tap on the back or like some stamp of approval. But I want you to grow spiritually because God's called you to be the light in the world, to shine in darkness. And, you know, we need to realize that light doesn't belong in light. Light belongs in darkness. Who turns on the light in broad daylight? No one. Light belongs in darkness, but we're so afraid of darkness. And we have sometimes like this, hear no evil, touch no evil, see no evil mentality. I want to be the light and I'm going to shine in the church. 
And then we go out into the world, into the workplace, into our families, into our schools, or wherever we are. And all of a sudden, you see so much darkness, and you're like, I don't want to be there. But God's saying, you're the light. Stop running away. Stop running away. You know, in, in talking about, you know, shining for the Lord, here's one misconception, okay? I want to shine for the Lord, for the glory of God. I want to be successful for the glory of God. It's all awesome and sounds noble. But oftentimes when we take on that sort of mentality, we wait for the success for God to shine. And until that success comes, we're still going to grumble and we're still going to complain. And mind you, that actually doesn't take you anywhere. So you're not going anywhere. Right. And we need to realize that to shine for Christ and to shine in the world, in the darkness, actually means to shine right now. Right now. Now, right where you are, you might be a student right now who's an aspiring actress. That's awesome. You can bring glory to God when you become an actress. Awesome. But if your testimony on that day is, look at how how good God is. He's brought me to this place. Isn't he good? Mm. And that's your testimony? Such a pity. Though you might be an aspiring artist or a musician, whatever it might be, a professor, whatever it might be, if where you are right now is a haogon teacher, a full-time student, in between jobs, whatever it might be, God is saying, still, you shine. You need to shine. It's actually impossible for you not to shine because the Lord has called you the light. He says, you are the light. He doesn't say, become the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. Stop putting a basket over it. And you know what this basket is in our context right now? It's that grumbling. It's that unbelief. No need to blame the devil. We're, we're just not being who we are. He says, you are the light of the world. Right? And so it, even if you're a student, no excuses. You're supposed to shine. And you know what shining means? In Daniel chapter 12, um, Speaking of the end times and the resurrection age, uh, the prophet Daniel, he prophesies, he says, those who, who lead many to righteousness or turn many to righteousness shall shine like the stars forever and ever. Those who lead others to righteousness. That's the outcome. That should be the outcome. And that's the purpose of why we work out our salvation, of why we grow spiritually. It's not so that the Lord would be pleased with us. He's already pleased with us. It's so that other people can also be brought out of darkness and into the marvelous light. If our lives are not a witness to those in the darkness, I mean, we need to want that. We need to want that. It's not so much that our situation needs to change. So many times we're waiting for a breakthrough moment, some divine appointment to come, for heaven to open up and all of a sudden God elevating you to a place where you can shine. It's not about the situation or the circumstance. The time is now to shine. The time to shine is now. Amen? 
One thing that um, Rona preached on Friday at Friday Fire was about striving, basically telling us, stop striving, you don't have to strive. Um, Ephesians 5.8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now walk as children of light. All we need to do is walk out who we are. We don't have to try to shine. We don't have to try to be inspirational. We don't have to try to, like, find favor in the eyes of other people. We just need to stop grumbling and hold fast to the word of God, not letting go, not allowing unbelief to sink in. And as we walk faithfully in the Lord, we can't help but to shine. We can't help but to shine. And today I just want to say, let's uncover our light. Okay. Some of us think the enemy is out to snuff out our light. It's actually very impossible. Why? Because the Lord has called us to be the light. He established it. We are the light no matter what. But what's happened is that the enemy has deceived us into grumbling, deceived us into that trap called unbelief that we ourselves and our own choice to grumble and our own choice to choose unbelief. We put a basket over our light. You know, and today I feel like God is just saying, get rid of that. Get rid of that covering. Get rid of that basket because you're supposed to shine. You know, and this is a full congregation right now. And my heart, the heart of all the leaders of this church, the heart of the Lord is, I don't know, like this, I don't know, to have like four services because we don't have enough space. You know, we got to understand that our testimony of like, oh, look at my life. Isn't God good? That's not good enough. It's like, look at my life. Isn't God good? Wow. There is a God. Who is this God? And people come to the light as well. You know, and so we can't be satisfied with our own success. That's going to come. That's going to be natural because the Lord is for us. But God wants salvations. He wants us to shine that there would be more people who are brought into that light. Amen? So let's close our eyes. And let's just take a time, a minute, to just respond to the Lord. You know, when the Lord releases grace, you know, it's up to us. It's our responsibility to respond to that grace. And whenever the word of God goes out... There is grace that is released. Not just a teaching, not just revelation, not just conviction, but there's a real grace that actually goes out. And right now we can respond to that grace. And let's just take this time, and and it's not directed at any individual, but I feel like it's for the entire church, for anyone who is a believer, to respond right now and just say, God, will you search my heart? Will you search my heart? Is there grumbling in my speech? Is there grumbling in my heart? Is there unbelief and mistrust and distrust in my heart? Have I forgotten the testimonies that you've already written? You know, and just ask him for that undivided devotion and that undivided heart that won't waver from his goodness. Let's ask him to remove that basket of grumbling. Break that pattern of grumbling. To break that pattern of unbelief in our lives because the Lord wants us to grow. He wants us to grow because he wants to see more people come to his light. And he's not going to do it all by himself. 
He's going to do it through us. He's saying, shine. You are the light. Don't wait to become the light. You already are the light. You know, some of us, we're waiting for our breakthrough. We're waiting for that that big break to come. But let me tell you, that big break already came about 2,000 years ago when Christ died and rose again. And he put his spirit in us. And he called us the light of the world. He said, while I am in the world, I am the light. But guess what? Jesus isn't in the world anymore. Do you know who is? We are. And he has placed his light upon us that we would continue to carry out his work, his ministry here. To continue to preach the good news of the gospel. To continue to testify. To continue to shine the light and the love of Christ. That more people will come out of darkness and into that marvelous light. It's happening through you and I. It's not just going to happen through the pastors. It's not just going to happen through the evangelists or whatever. It's going to happen through every believer. Because if you are in Christ Jesus, you are now the light of the world. No longer in the darkness, but you are now in the light. And walk. He's saying walk as children of the light. Some of you might have felt that you're still in the darkness. But don't mistake that darkness. Don't confuse that darkness and wilderness, period. And some of us in this room have been making that excuse, oh, God's just taking me through the wilderness again. If your wilderness has been the last five years and you haven't been going anywhere, that's not, that's not right. You know what it says in Song of Songs? It says, who is this? out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved. If the wilderness doesn't take you to intimacy, if the, lead, if the wilderness doesn't lead to increase, I mean, you gotta kind of stop and think, am I in the wilderness? Or has the Lord entrusted me with his light to shine in the darkness that's surrounding me? We need a new perspective in this house. We gotta stop making excuses. Stop waiting around for opportunities to shine. And just be who we are. You know, and so let's just respond to the Lord and say, God, I just want to lay down all grumbling. I just want to lay down all unbelief because I want to grow. I want to grow and I want others to know who you are. Because I want to shine like the, the, like the light that you have called me to be. Let's just be honest before the Lord. And as we do that, let's think back to our testimonies and of what the Lord has already accomplished in our lives. Sometimes we grumble because we forget. Just take a moment to remember what the Lord has already done and turn that grumbling into thanksgiving and joy. I'll just give you a few minutes.